Hello and welcome everyone to season two of Queers at Play. I am your main host for this season premiere. My name is Ruben and I am joined, as always, by Mark. Hello! Didn't think you'd see us back so soon. Here we are. Back and fucking kicking. Um... As everyone expected, I think, from us, we weren't, we weren't going to, you know, take that lying down. Although we were on a lot longer break than I was expecting, I must admit. Well, I think the industry news went on a nice little break. Yeah, I mean, it, it is telling that we've come back, like, a few days after Nintendo shadow dropped a fucking indie world. They knew, they knew <laughs> we were coming back. They dropped an indie world presentation just for us. But we'll talk about that next week. Yes, that, that comes from season, uh, season two, episode one. So look forward to that. Um, what we wanted to do is we basically just wanted to reintroduce you to us, I guess, and kind of let you know what's going to be happening with season two um, and just generally discuss a few video games as opposed to covering any news. So, yeah, we're the queers at play. You, you probably know us by now. Um, you better do it. If you don't, go and listen to season one. Yeah, go and li- go and listen to season one. It was a riotous fucking time. Thirteen episodes, I think. Thirteen normal episodes at least, and we had a few specials, uh, specials along the way, which will happen in season two as well. So I wouldn't worry. Um, yeah, we've already got a few ideas mm, and a few collaborators as well. So that should be interesting. And these, by the way, fall outside our standard guest list as well, which we'll get mm-hmm. to. Um, so expect some. Some new faces even in there. Um, so to clue you in, season two, um, we're, if you haven't seen on Twitter, which you should be following us if you're not at Queers of Play, um, we are taking a slightly different tact uh, because we are currently looking for a permanent third host um, for the Queers of Play. So what we're doing for season two as a kind of uh, means of breaking it up before we find our full host is we're actually having a season of guest hosts joining us of which we are calling the season be our guest (laughs) um yeah and uh in light of that we've decided that our backlog bingo feature is going to take a little rest um it's a feature that doesn't really work with a guest host every week unfortunately because we would have nobody to pass it on to (laughs) Yeah. And also, furthermore, um, it gives us an opportunity to reset our backlog bingo. Um, Because I don't know about you, Mark, but there's been some games that have been on my backlog bingo. I've been just like, I really fucking want to play them. (laughs) 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 So, so, like, yeah, it gives me an opportunity to play some of the games I really want to play from it. I I also seem to remember there's quite a few games on your backlog bingo that you wished you hadn't played. (laughs) I do recall that, yes. Uh, Chibi Robo Ziplash looking fucking at you, <laughs> tiny little robot twat. I feel like that's my fault somehow. I think you selected it, so yes, it is your fault. It, it is, and it was. So, in place of backlog bingo, uh, in light of us having a guest host every week, we've got a new little feature lined up, um, which we have pun intended, called Simply the Guest. It's the dubbest, one of the dubbest things we've come up with, I think, title <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very high accolade, I think, at this point. Um, 
Yeah, so what we're going to do with Simply the Guest uh, is we're essentially going to get to know more about the guest. It's a segment that's going to be entirely about our guest host. So we're going to ask them, set them a few or send them over a few questions ahead of time. And then they can essentially pick which questions they want to answer out of the questions we ask them. It's all going to be about gaming histories. So what games were their favourite? Uh, what game is their favourite game of all time? Or where they started in gaming or like top gaming achievements, things like that. So um, it'll be a good way of us being able to learn more about our guest hosts and also you out there learning as well. Um, and, you know, we would never ask our guests to do something we're not prepared to do ourselves. So uh, we have also come up with answers to some or all of these questions ourselves. Um, so, Ruben, why not uh, kick things off and tell us about your favourite game slash game series of all time? This was... Honestly, the easiest out of the questions that we've set for me personally, Resident Evil 2. It, it's been my favourite game since 98 when I first played it, and it is still my favourite game now, despite there having been a remake of it, which I still love, but doesn't replace the original. Like, I think they're both excellent, like, top-class games in their own right, but they don't replace one another. Um, and really, it's just because it... More than anything, it kind of, it built upon and improved upon everything the first game did. And I loved mm. the first game. Um, Leon and Claire are much more relatable protagonists than um, Jill and Chris, in my opinion, because they're not military experts. Like, one yep. was just a college student and the other one was a like police officer on their first day of the job, which I think goes down as the worst first day. I think in the in a competition of worst first day on a job, zombie apocalypse is is quite high. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and also, not only that, missing his own fucking welcome party. Well, I mean, like, he, was, he was he was late. It's his own fault. But then again, if he hadn't been late, he would be dead. So this is <laughs> also true. Fucking potato, potato, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, Resident Evil Two. Uh, the soundtrack's phenomenal. The gameplay was excellent. Uh, for the time, I don't think tank controls aged particularly well, but I'm so used to them that it's second nature to me. Uh, the voice acting was better. I'm not going to say not... <laughs> it would have been difficult for it to be worse. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to say it was like I don't know. It's not, it wasn't like fucking Oscar winning or anything, but like it was better than the first game. Um, and yeah, I've I've it's it's the game I think I think still just about it's the game I've purchased the most copies of if we if we were playing that um that game show where you have to sort of guess your your partner's answer to a question i would have got that one right yeah damn right like i'm 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 so transparent in my love of resident <laughs> evil 2 um after that point but, i think it becomes a bit murky for people working out what yeah. their favorite games are but the first one always absolutely and I think you could probably quite easily guess my answer to the next question as well. Okay. Or to the same question. I'm going to hazard a guess that it's Super Metroid. <laughs> you are correct. And I, you can't see it on the podcast, but I'm showing Ruben a bit of paper where I wrote down Super Metroid. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, I think it's a timeless classic. It's got that sort of gorgeous 16-bit art. It, The soundtrack 
just is perfectly pitched for the for the uh, atmosphere that they're going for for that game. Difficulty is spot on. And I can just go back to that game over and over again. In fact, I am actually playing through it at the moment. Uh, I have just beaten Ridley, in fact. I'm 100% with you on that. Super Metroid, for those of you that don't know, Super Metroid very easily, I think, by a long margin, is my second favourite game of all time. Behind Resident Evil 2. <laughs> um, couldn't agree with you more. Um, and not only that, but like Super Metroid has some of the best p- uh, kind of player direction. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost impossible to get lost in that game if you're paying attention. If you're not paying attention, then you will get lost. But if you're paying attention, there are so many clues. Those subtle clues, those environmental clues, those little kind of, oh, there's a door that I want. I can't go in that door yet. I can't get to that door yet. Um, Hmm. And I think there are elements that have been improved in subsequent Metroid games that sort of give you a bit more indication about where there's an item you've not picked up or more specifically a door that you can't get through. Um, But much like Resident Evil 2 really kind of perfected the Resident Evil formula, I think Super Metroid really perfected that Metroid formula that they had in in Metroid on the NES and uh, Return of Samus on the Game Boy. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, I, I still... Um, not, not to digress too much, but um, I still remember, and it still stands as possibly one of my favourite sort of like fucking geniuses moments in game design uh was when you first get the gravity suit in super Mm -hmm. metroid and it blocks off the path you came in only gives you the option to leave through the other door and the moment you leave through that door it drops you immediately into water which up until the uh, which up until getting that suit meant you traveled slowly so you'd fall into the water and you'd be like fuck but then you'd move and you'd move at normal speed you're like fuck okay so that's what that does it was just this perfect moment of teaching you exactly what the item you just picked up does immediately after getting it without telling you what it did. Yeah, and I just... think Nintendo have a history of doing that, particularly in the Metroid franchises, giving you an upgrade, giving you a safe space to use that upgrade before really piling on the difficulty. You know, they, they do a very similar thing, I think, a bit earlier in the game with the Ice Beam where they force you to uh, freeze enemies to make a platform over nothing initially, and then lava, and then monsters as well. Yeah, and the thing is, it um, the good thing about Metroid, and it's as a series in general, and it's done this throughout its lifetime, maybe excluding other end, but that, <laughs> that's another discussion, um, is it will, it will constantly throw little things at you, but there'll be little things that are so out of place in comparison to anything you've seen before that it kind of forces you to remember it. And then later on you have, it throws a similar thing, but it also gives you the solution. So with like, with the ice beam, when you fall down that really long shaft that has enemies moving across it, you look up, you're like, there's no fucking way I can get back up there. And then later on, when you get the ice beam, which is like, you can freeze enemies with this. And you're like, wait a second, that shaft that I fell down, I can now, I can get, now get back out of here. Um, yeah, and it's just that it's just got so many genius moments like that, and yeah, Super Metroid, I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred, a hundred percent on that. Um, 
So to ask you a question then, to return the favour. Okay. Um, what? Oh, I have no. I'm not going to ask that one because that one's got such a fucking obvious answer. Um, <laughs> what what game series would you like to see revived? Okay, I had to think about this, um, and the answer that I came up with is the Legacy of Cain Soul Reaver games. Right. Soul Reaver 2. I don't know why I love that game. Raziel, I think, is a great protagonist. Um, I don't know if you ever played any of the Legacy of Cain games, Soul Reaver games. Yeah. Um, I think the first Soul Reaver game suffered from every single puzzle being the same block-pushing puzzle repeated over and over again. Not the best experience. The sequel, however, uh, I think just the writing in it... Raziel as a character is great. His sort of tragic backstory of being a vampire that accidentally evolved sooner than his his master came uh, with wings, having those wings torn off and thrown into the void. Um, and just the whole kind of... It gets into a very complicated sort of time travelly backstabbing... Uh, whole world of nonsense but i just really enjoyed those games and i think it'd be great to see to see them come back with that character i I don't know whether i don't know whether crystal dynamics ever have any plan to uh you know they're quite busy with uh tomb raider and Mm. avengers right now (laughs) well who's not busy with avengers you know apart from the players (laughs) um somebody has to be yeah somebody has to be it might as well be the devs because no one's playing the damn thing um yeah, I, th- I think I'm with you on that. I, I, I agree. Like, I, I love Raziel as a character. Uh, and I actually like Kane as a character, even. Um, so I would love to see... I think I agree with you. I'd love to see the legacy of Kane return. Um, but if I was to pick a series that needs a revival that's been dead for some time... Oh, there's so many though. There are um, there are a lot of great series out there that could could have a great comeback. I think I would have to go though with Klonoa. Oh, okay. Um, because that game had like a mild resurgence on the PS1, PS2. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's no, the kind of like dog jump like with flappy ears. I, yeah, I'm struggling to describe it. That uses that that uses um, that kind of golden ring that he's holding to mm. lasso enemies and use enemies as projectiles. It was just, uh, and it's not. It didn't have a resurgence. I, I obviously I was talking out my ass then. It started then. It's just it, <laughs> it's just it had this burst and then disappeared off the face of the earth. So there was the PS1, and the PS2 game. There's a GBA game. Uh, I think there may have been one on the GameCube, but aside from that, then the series has just been dormant. Um, I mean, I would, I, I would love. Um, the, I mean, my first inclination, my first answer was Eternal Darkness, but I think if I remember correctly, there's some really fucking weird licensing issue with that game, which means we're never going to see a second one, regardless. Yeah, because it's like published by Nintendo and part owned by. Uh, Factor 5 or whoever it was and yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare I think. 
Yeah, and the sanity mechanic apparently is is a licensing issue in itself, so we won't even see a game. I, I'm sure I've heard heard or read something about this. The the way the sanity mechanic's done in that game as well is a licensing thing in, in itself, which means that a game can't replicate that either. Okay, um, that's interesting. Which yeah, fucking games industry. But yeah, Klonoa. I'd love to see a new Klonoa game, and every single time they are gearing up for new Smash announcements, I'm like, just put Klonoa in Smash. Give them a reason to make a new Klonoa game. And Klonoa, <laughs> and also he would really work well in Smash with the whole using his enemies as projectiles thing. It would just work so well. Um, similar to Yoshi, but with more yeah. with, with, with more gusto, I guess. But like, yeah, just... But if the, there's one key issue uh, with Klonoa, which makes Klonoa slightly problematic in terms of returning. Um, which, which, gives, is? which gives me concerns about them ever returning. <sighs> it's a Namco title, and Bandai Namco only really care about a couple of their franchises in terms of giving them consistent releases. Yeah. Um, and they're the ones that are the big hitters, so I can kind of understand. So, like the God Eaters, for instance, which like always do phenomenally well, um, and also Bandai Namco are behind Soul Calibur, which like so. But I don't think it's going to get another shot. But I think that cute little fucker deserves another another game. I think you're right. Um, you know, maybe it's one of those things that could. Uh... It would be great to see it sort of hand, maybe handed off to another developer that could work with with Namco on that kind of thing, um, but unfortunately, it does seem like they're quite happy to just let some of these properties go. Yeah, just think how many properties there are that are dead in the water at the moment that haven't had new releases in a while. Castlevania. Actually, just let's let's just, let's just go with the entire Konami back catalogue. All because of their games. All of their <laughs> games, which are either never seen in the light of day again, or if they do, they're being palmed off to other developers. Which has worked so well for Konami in the past, hasn't it? Um, fucking Silent Hill Homecoming. Um, but yeah, that's. I never thought I'd get a rant in the premiere. But here we go. And a rant about Kloana, of all things. Um <laughs> Okay, so what would you say is your greatest gaming accomplishment? Ornstein and Smo, Dark Souls, fucking easily. That fucking boss took me so pissing long to beat. So many attempts, so many deaths, so many occasions running back through Anolondo to reach the boss again, only to be killed again. Um, beating those but there's there's a reason why every single subsequent time I played Dark Souls, uh, as in like the original Dark Souls, I've either played it in, played it in co-op or I've been just like, nah, fuck it, I'm summoning help, because that boss, I am never facing that boss on my own again, ever. <laughs> Do you know what? There's 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 quite a lot of games where I can think back where there's there's this there's a you know there's one specific boss in the game that you just dread coming up against. And it doesn't matter how many times you do it, you always dread it. I, 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 you know, I can think back to playing um, the first Metroid Prime game, 
there's uh, a boss about three quarters of the way through. Uh, is it Thardos? It's like a giant rock ice boss. Yeah, I know the one. The first time I came across that boss, I don't know, it took me like seven or eight times. <laughs> and whenever I played through that game, I was like, oh no, I'm going to avoid playing, I'm going to avoid fighting this boss for as long as I can. Um, and yet every subsequent time, I've beaten it without any any issues. <laughs> I can't say that uh, Demon Souls is going to be... Uh, oh, Dark Souls. Was it Demon Souls or Dark Souls? It was Dark Souls. Dark Souls would be quite the same. Uh, and I can certainly see from its reputation, having never actually played Dark Souls, uh, why you would avoid s- probably any of the bosses in that game. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, like... There are so many. There are so many points in the Soulsborne franchise that I could look at and go, "That cunt! That is the worst thing. That is the biggest thing I've overcome." But like so many of the ones that I could think of off the top of my head, or even with a longer think about it, really, were optional. However, Ornstein and Smo are not optional. They are a compulsory roadblock in your way that yeah. you have to defeat to finish the game. Um, so, like, as much as I had, as much as I had significant issues in Bloodborne with Ebriatus, Ebriatus is optional. As much as I had trouble with the Orphan of Fucking Cos in Bloodborne, once again, that's in the DLC and is completely optional. Like, yeah. But Ornstein and Smo are just such an indescribable obstacle that you have to <laughs> overcome, um, and. I would argue since then they've never managed to get that type of boss right again because that's the first boss in Dark Souls that has you fighting against two equally powerful creatures Um, rather than on occasion they do one powerful creature and kind of adds like Mm -hmm. but this is two equally powerful creatures and every other time they've tried to do that has nowhere near been as successful or as harrowing, depending on which way you you perceive the the fucking event. But like that, overcoming that boss with everything I went through, including one of the most painfully exhausting rage quits I've ever had in a game. Um, when I finally defeated them, I look back on it now and like that was one hell of an achievement for someone who really was not having much fun at that point. But at the time, I can tell you, I did not feel any sense of accomplishment. <laughs> I was, no, I, I wasn't no even, Yeah, I wasn't even glad it was done. I was just like, that's over. Fine, whatever. Fine. Yeah, I, I didn't feel joy or sadness or anything. I was just like, we're, we're moving on. Um. So what about yours? What is your greatest gaming accomplishment? I had a long think about this and I wasn't sure whether to go... I wasn't really sure what route to go down with my answer to this question. Um, You know, I'd like to give a shout out to say this podcast. Oh, but also from a a specific uh, sort of playing a game thing. Um... It's completing Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. So to give a bit of context, uh, I got a Game Boy 
I don't know, for my birthday in sort of 90, I don't know, 93-ish, 94, I can't remember the exact dates. The Christmas immediately after that, I got gifted Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I had, at the, you know, at that, that point I was, I don't know, eight, nine, gaming was still very much in its infancy. I'd never played a game like The Legend of Zelda before. I'd never seen a game like The Legend of Zelda before. And over and over and over again, I played that game right up until midway through the first dungeon. And I could not figure out what the fuck I was supposed to do. Just was stuck. And I must have replayed that section, that opening section of Legend of Zelda, six, seven, eight times over the course of a year. Um, and then I went to somebody's house and I saw them playing the original Legend of Zelda on the NES. And they went into a dungeon. I was like, oh, okay, this is quite interesting. I was watching what they were doing. And they walked into a room with a locked door and a bunch of blocks. And they walked up to one of the blocks and they pushed it. And at that point, it was like a light switch went off in my head and I went, fuck well I didn't go fuck because I was eight but that that sentiment of fuck that's what I need to do and I went back that evening put Legend of Zelda in my Game Boy went to that part of the dungeon pushed the block that quite obviously needed pushing to complete a, a pattern and I think I then completed the rest of that game within about three days <laughs> <laughs> But, but the thing is, sometimes it is that obvious, though. That's the thing. It really is. And, you know, I... And I say I completed that within three days, bearing in mind I was also, you know, going to school. So that was... I managed to complete the rest of it in the space between getting home from school and going to bed at, like, eight o'clock in the evening or whatever my bedtime was for my parents at that age. Um, yeah. And, the, and just the fact that I was so willing to replay that opening section so many times over the course of a year just shows how, you know, the level of quality that Nintendo put into almost all of their games. I really wanted to know what would happen, what, what happened next. It's just, and eventually just enjoying I got it. it. I mean, that's, you were just enjoying the game. That's, that, that's what it was. It's just, you just couldn't progress past a certain yeah, point. Yeah, I know. But at a point so early on in the game as well. <laughs> uh, um, so our initial intention for this uh, for this introductory section was that it would be no more than twenty minutes. We're now at twenty seven minutes, uh, so this is feeling very on brand for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So should we move on to the next section then? Do we, do, do we should. We... I mean, there are a whole bunch of other questions that we have that some of the other guests may choose to answer or not down the line. But yes, let, let's move on to the next section. Sure. So as we've said earlier, season two is all about our guest hosts. So we've literally, we, we put out a call and... Um, we had a few ideas ourselves of people that we wanted to have on board. And we've now got our full list of the nine main episode guest hosts. Uh, that well, we might as well read out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. This is so, so let's bear in mind we haven't we haven't specified it. This is in no particular order. We haven't we haven't decided who's going to be on what episode yet, uh, with one exception. Mm -hmm. um so the first guest is uh, a good friend of mine richard you may know him as nintendo or nintendo 5 however you would like to pronounce his name um 
he is going to guest on one of our episodes. Along with on another episode, you may you may know him because he's a he's quite well known, I'd say at this point. But mm-hmm. one of our guests is going to be Ryan Brown or Toad's Anime on Twitter. Our our friend in the industry, I guess you could say. Really. Joining Ryan will also be the lovely Joe White, um, and they will hopefully bring a very different kind of energy to the podcast. Which I'm really looking forward to. Joe is hilarious. Joe Um, is hilarious. Joining Joe and the others as well will be Douglas, or Callisti777 from Twitter, the fantasy author. Looking forward to that and seeing what what direction that takes this in as well. Another one of our great guests is our fellow catboy, James, who you may also know as Vescues. And he is, I would say he's more on the fringes of gaming, but he has a great, uh, he has a great voice for podcasts. uh, And he does a lot of kind of voiceover work in the podcasting world. So again, he's going to bring a different angle. And put us to shame with our, with our voice. (laughs) Probably, yes. (laughs) Our voice talents. Uh, A friend of, uh, a friend of mine, someone that Mark is not overly familiar with, but a... I think they would hate me referring to them as this though, a titan of the fighting game community, but Lynn the Order, Lynn is going to be joining us as well for an episode. Excellent. I can't wait to meet Lynn. Um, a f- fairly well known, I would say, in the in in the Nintendo streaming world, Nintendori nineteen ninety eight or Corey is also gonna be popping on for one of our episodes. Lovely talk uh, lovely Corey. I mean you you are, in fact, uh, joining history this evening. I am joining history this evening at time of recording. Um, so, yeah, we're continuing Bloodborne, so that should be fun. Uh, and then eighth, my God, eighth is Anne Lou, uh, who is, uh, or Lou Oof on uh, Twitter, uh, who is another of our friends in the industry, uh, who, uh, who does marketing for Square Enix, so... What she brings to the table is, is going to be a quite interesting insight as well, I feel. That could be very interesting, depending on what's going on in the in the world of uh, sort of Square Enix announcements around that time. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, our guest, who we're going to announce as our guest for the first full episode of Queers at Play is... World building stream. Lewis is joining us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we thought it may actually be prudent, seeing as this is the premiere and he is going to be the first episode. We're going to let him introduce himself. So take it away. Hello, everyone. So as has already been mentioned, my name is Lewis Harmon. Um, I am known on Twitter as World Building Stream or at Harmonious. And I am effectively a writer, storyteller, streamer, and D&D enthusiast. And of course, I am a gamer. Though, of course, not to the extent or the level of knowledge of the queers at play here. 
I'm looking forward to joining you guys to talk about topical gaming news and events, but of course talk about our gaming interests and what else we get up to. So I'm really looking forward to joining you guys and thank you for having me on. That was beautiful. Thank you. So join us next week then for episode one of season two of Queers at Play. Uh, you can chat to us if you want to in the meantime uh, at Queers at Play on Twitter and our new Discord server. Which you can find a link to on our link tree, which is linktr.ee forward slash Queers at Play. Thank you for that because I didn't know it. Um, and I've been Ruben and I've been joined by Mark and we will be joined again next week by the incredible Lewis Harmon. And we've been the Quays of Play and we'll see you next time. Bye.